Welcome to a new episode of It Be Your Own People, a new podcast about what's going on in pop culture and being a POC in today's social environment. Because sometimes it be your own people. Maybe it's your brother, sister, or friend. Karen at the job or Karen next door. A leader of the movement you thought you could trust. Most of the time, it's somebody you already know. Beware the wolves, y'all. And now more than ever, people are showing you who they really are. And you need to know who you can trust. Hey y'all, we're back for yet another episode of It Be Your Own People. We're going to start off with our cocktail of the day. I'm still drinking that Modelo because it's just so damn good. Sully, what you have over there, girl? Well, I was detoxing, but as you can tell, it's been a day. So I'm sipping on some Maker's Mark. I'm channeling my inner tree. I got that Maker's Mark whiskey, but all I had was some Sprite. So it's some uninteresting flavor tonight. Okay, all right. You know what? When you try to stop drinking, just have a little bit more. It'll make you feel better. And today we have a very special guest, a good longtime friend who is a thriving PLC journalist. And guess what? She's a true New Yorker. She's from Brooklyn. It's Tamar Davis. Say what's up to the people. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yes, we're excited to have you too. So what is your cocktail? Um, my cocktail for the night is this Caribbean hibiscus sorrel. Um, I just got it a few days ago at this farmer's market. Ooh, I like that. You need to pass <laughs> that around. We need to all have a sip of I that. Will. So now let's discuss with Tamar, Sally. Let's get on into it. Check this out. Yes, girls. So we got some real interesting topics that we want to cover with you today. Recently, American Idol's Haley Slatton met her husband at an audition. But guess what? It's a little bit different. What? She was pregnant <laughs> when she met him. And then they got married. Ooh, child. But like, so seriously, wh- where they do that at? Like, how? So was she with someone when she met the husband? I don't think he was in the picture, but she met like she was having someone's whole baby. And she met her man, her now husband. I'm just like, I'm a little floored by that. I don't think that I, no, I don't know that I would be in that position. But if I were the guy, I don't think I would do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would want to be in that position. But I feel like that means the guy is, you know, really going to be there for him, hopefully. You know, like he knows the whole story from the very jump. That's true. I hope so, too. Sally, what's your take on it? Well, I guess I'm assuming that she was visibly pregnant at the time and the guy didn't run away. But I'm be honest, this might be a red flag for me because I don't know if y'all heard about this, but there's some men out there that are belly chasers. Oh, hell no. Like, no, (laughs) legit. They got a pregnancy fetish and will seriously target and go after pregnant women. So you mean to tell me that even though he married this chick, he's going to move on to somebody else who's pregnant? I mean, I'm not saying that if they married right now and he obviously knew that she was with child when they met and he was still willing to do all the things. Big claps, all the snaps on that. We love to see it. But in the beginning, like some guy approaching me, knowing that I'm pregnant, I might have done like a two step like, "Mm, let me run your background. Okay, but what if she wasn't visibly pregnant and now he thinks it's his baby? Oh, come on, girl. That's a Tyler Perry production. That's, yeah. that's a Bridgerton storyline. <laughs> right? I, I know, and I would watch it. I would definitely watch it. <laughs> right. So with that being said, what do you think is an appropriate amount of time to start dating 
after a relationship. Two minutes so- after they tell you it's over. <laughs> no, what if you break up with them? We we don't like people breaking up with us. We break up with them, okay? If I broke up with you, that means it's been over for me. So what's to say that I haven't already moved on? Mm, Tamar, what say you? So I've always heard that it has to be like half the amount of time you were in the relationship. So if you're with somebody for a year, then you have to wait six months before you start something serious. Somebody wait else. six months? Who, girl? <laughs> Ain't nobody doing math. If I happen to meet my Prince Charming, who's walking down the street and I'm now single, ooh, we're going to get on and popping. So celebrity Josh Flagg confirmed that he was now in a new relationship two weeks after announcing his divorce. Oh, boy. Say what? That's that's too much, though. He was already seeing that person. I don't (laughs) care what he said. (laughs) Two weeks after your divorce, girl, where you met him at? The divorce court? Exactly. And on top of that, Tamar, since you like to do math, they were married for seven <laughs> years. They're married for seven years. OK, so we should have waited three and a half years. No, I think realistically, there's no time limit, but you should probably do some like healing, you know, some reflection, a little pause. Two weeks is two weeks. First, yeah. when you're a celebrity, everybody knows your business. Right. So you just go move on. And I'm just like, that is rude and disrespectful, especially after marriage. I mean, regardless whether it was like, you know, a little situationship, a real relationship, engagement or marriage. Give me my respect yeah. and wait a year or, or five, like Tamar said. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm posted up here talking a whole lot of shit because that's just what I do. But I am a strong proponent for going to that therapy, getting your mind right, centering yourself, rediscovering yourself. Spending some time with yourself, because if you don't like being around you, how can you expect someone else to want to partake in your growth? Okay, I like that, too. But if you was already in the right and that other person wasn't for you, then move on. But, you know, I don't actually have an appropriate amount of time. I don't know. But all I'm saying is two weeks is too soon. Speaking of too soon. How soon do you think you should wait before you really let an annoying ass coworker at the job have it? What you mean? So you ever be at work and like you're trying to mind your damn business, do your job, do all the things. And there's just that annoying coworker who just gets under your skin and tries to get at you. And sometimes you may have to slap somebody. Tamar, what are your thoughts? Um, there are a lot of uh, dimensions. I think if you're if you're at work, it depends like who the coworker is in like relation to you. Like if you're on the same level, I think it's better to nip it in the bud as early as possible and like have a conversation with them. Maybe not slap them, but if it's like a manager, like someone who is on like a higher maybe rank, I don't know. I think that there is like probably some, some like sensitivity you should probably take with the situation. Like, I think it depends on like your own vulnerability. Yeah. See, we were basically referring to Will Smith and Chris Rock. They're <laughs> on the same level. I think we all agree that he should have kept his ass in that seat laughing. So, yeah, we get you. So, Tamar, we're going to catch up with you later in the interview. But before we do that, where can the people find you? Let us know what your IG is. Yeah, folks can find me um, at Tamar Sarai, T-A-M-A-R-S-A-R-A-I on Instagram and by Tamar Sarai on Twitter. Oh, and that was the perfect segue we needed to get into this WTF news. What the fuck news? Girl, 
girl, girl, girl, girl, you know we cannot start off this show without referencing the slap heard around the world, child. It was around the world. The show was. Now, guess what? We love you, Will Smith, but you know you're wrong. He had the audacity to laugh at a poor joke that Chris Rock made while presenting an award at the Oscars. And after Will Smith's little giggle, he went on stage and he slapped the life out of Chris Rock on live TV. But they didn't just slap the life out of him. Continue to curse him the F out right afterwards, saying you better keep my wife's name out your motherfucking mouth. Yes, screaming it twice. Like, it was embarrassing. I swear. I was watching it live, and I legit thought that it was a joke. Until the mute, like, they muted everything, and it kind of paused for a second or two. And then we see Will Smith cursing him out, but it was still muted. So that's when I realized, oh, this was live, live. And um, Lupita Nyong'o, who was, you know, just a step behind them, she was very like, I'm shookest. Her face was everything because I think her face was basically the whole world's face having to look at this because I also I was not watching the Oscars and like I want to say three or five minutes after that happened, my Twitter, my Instagrams, the shade room, everything was blown up with this. And I'm just assuming that this is just, you know, another publicity stunt because Chris Rock is going on tour soon. Will Smith has all of these projects in the works. So I just thought this was a great way or what they thought was going to be a great way to get to talking about the things. But, you know, the Internet remains undefeated because even though in America, ABC was real quick to blur out them cuss words overseas, they got the real real. And I went on Twitter, Instagram, Facebooks and all the things and found screen recordings of him saying all the angry words to Mr. Rock. Yes, I think it was Asia and Australia that had the live audio. So everybody in America got to see it literally like five, 10 minutes later. So we saw that it definitely was not a joke. And apparently at the commercial break, presenter Danielle Kalua came up to hug Will Smith and Denzel Washington reportedly escorted him to the side off the stage and the two of them hugged and talked and Tyler Perry came over as well. So they all tried to calm Will down. But of course, child, give it a few hours, give it a day. It escalated all over the world. Every news media has still been talking about it. And Will knows that he has some big repercussions from doing this. He apologized in a public post for his behavior. He went on Instagram. He apologized to Chris Rock. He apologized to the Academy, to the audience. All, you know, the quintessential PR. I need to clean up the mess that I made. But. The apology was not enough. It was not enough. It wasn't enough, but it also, this whole encounter happened at least 15 to 20 minutes before Will Smith won his first ever Oscar. I forgot about that. Or exactly, for portraying Venus and Serena's father in King Richard. He is an amazing actor. He's been acting for three decades. You won your first Oscar and no one even remembers that because of this bullshit that you done did. So when he went up to accept his Oscar after this happened, everyone gave him a standing ovation. He cried tears. He said, love makes you do crazy things. Very similar to the character that he portrayed in King Richard. He said that he has to protect his family. And of course, meaning he was protecting his wife and the poor joke that Chris Rock made about Jada. I mean, 
Listen, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, girl. I get that. But it's like, come on, Will, you smart in this. You're not any of us regular, regular people. Okay. You both have millions and millions. You have a lot to lose. You talk to him after the show. You can yell and scream in his face after the show. But putting your hands on him on live TV. Come on. You knew. It wasn't going to go down. So Chris Rock declined to press charges and he hadn't been seen after the Oscars for a few days until he showed up in Boston for his Ego Death World Tour that he uh, kicked off three days after the Oscars. So obviously, since that happened, the remaining tickets that were left over immediately got sold out because, you know, everybody knows each other. Exactly. And they're going to know that he's going to talk about that slap. So then at the show, he started off saying, so how was everybody's weekend? Obviously, that was alluding to the Oscars and the slap. And um, he basically just let them know that he's still processing everything and that he had a show that he already planned. And that's what he's going to do. So he did not actually talk about Will Smith or the slap. And there were a ton of people afterwards and they won their money back, girl. What? Okay, come on, that's fucked up because there's no way that they were going to assume that he was going to change up his entire set just because of this one ridiculous thing that happened. That's their fault. Yeah, that was stupid. But um, now everybody and their mama, actors, actresses, people who are just, you know, entertainers, have nothing to do with the Oscars, weren't even there, has their two cents that they want to put in on this girl. What did OJ say? OJ had the audacity to fix himself and go on Instagram live and reprimand Will Smith for what he did and then goes on to say that if he had done the same thing, he would have gotten life without parole if he had slapped somebody in public. Make it make sense. Sir, you should have gotten life without parole for killing them two people back in the 90s. That part. And while all of this has happened, Jim Carrey says he's appalled. Amy Schumer says she was triggered and traumatized. Rosie O'Donnell said her piece. Kathy Griffin said now comedians have to be worried when they make jokes. Parents in general are speaking at the side of their neck. And a whole bunch of other stars are just talking and y'all wasn't there like, shut up. Lupita ain't even saying nothing. And she was sitting right next to them. Exactly. I need everyone else. And do you notice a pattern here where it's mostly white people that don't nobody give a fuck about mm. talking about all this shit that ain't got nothing to do with them? For Amy Schumer to go on here and post these three paragraphs with her white triggered tears talking about I'm triggered. Ma'am, the only way you could have been triggered is if someone had also slapped you at an award show in front of millions of people that part and the other thing that you know really sucked after this incident happened was that quest love actually ended up winning the award that chris rock was presenting during this whole thing so basically afterwards all the other awards seemed you know like mediocre and were forgotten samuel l jackson's first ever oscar win was also overshadowed it was also not televised But there are so many other winners of that night. And again, Will Smith himself. No one remembers the winners because of this lap. I definitely don't. The only win I will ever remember is Lupita Onyango getting her life and minding her business. Girl, you're right about that. And now we're going to move on, but still talk about the Oscars. We had West Side Stories, Rachel Zegler. She came to present at the Oscars this year. But guess what? She originally wasn't even invited. What? Oh, hell no. That's how like a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round invitation to me. How how did she even end up there if she wasn't invited? 
So she has already won a Golden Globe for her role in West Side Story. And basically, I guess her fans were saying like, oh, you know, what are you going to wear? Or, you know, what time are you getting there? Whatever, just fans saying stuff. And she let them know, or she just put it out there on social that she wasn't even invited to the Oscars. So now when everyone found this out, it was going, you know, in the press all over the place. Like, how is she not invited? And she's already won like her movie West Side Story is nominated in so many different things, even though she personally did not have a nomination. So once they found that out, obviously the Academy decided, well, let's not just invite her. Let's have her present. Wow. Basically saying, oh, dang, you know what? We fucked up. So we were pressured into inviting you. Here's the invite. Basically, but it's I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have gone either. I don't want that last minute. But then again, it's like, I mean, we haven't been invited to the Oscars. So (laughs) I would have gone to whatever Issa Rae was hosting that same uh, at that same time instead of going to the Oscars. You right about that. But I will say that the very first winner of the night was a uh, woman of color, Afro-Latina, who won. And she's openly gay and she won for West Side Story. So they were sweeping up the Oscars. I will say that. Okay, okay, Making the I want to be in America dreams come true. And speaking of all things G.I. Jane, because, of course, that was the poor joke that was told. And the actress who originally portrayed her, Demi Moore, her ex-husband, Bruce Willis, who is 67, said that he's stepping away from acting, girl. This is terrible. I do not like this. And I'm so sick and tired. Don't nothing problematic ever come out about Bruce Willis, because I always put put him up on a pedestal about how unproblematic he is for a white man with money. Well, he is unproblematic, but he's stepping away because of his health. He was diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. That's terrible really sad so his daughter rumor put on ig that this is a private family matter but she just wanted everyone to know that he is supported by all of his children his current wife and his ex-wife and according to mayo clinic because you know we had to look up what aphasia is it's a condition that robs you of the ability to communicate and it can be caused by a stroke head injury or a brain tumor or just disease that's terrible but with all you know i guess all of his stunts from when he was living hard or trying to die finally caught up to him because he i'm pretty sure he did most of his own stunts in all of his action movies very true but he's still so young you know just praise his family yeah and you know there was one time i actually saw bruce willis for real for real girl when i tell you i walked in and my jaw hit the floor was this before or after his current wife i think this was just recently after so i missed my window damn i was about to say shoot your shot girl i missed my window and he bought everybody coffee in there too you missed the window child oh let's get into this regular regular news so disney employees and raven simone and her cast walked out to protest the don't say gay bill on Instagram, Raven Simone shared a video of her Raven's home cast and executive producers expressing their support for the LGBTQIA plus Disney staffers who organized a demonstration opposing this ridiculous ass bill. In the video, Raven calls the bill ridiculous, shouts, we don't like it and encourages viewers to support, support, support the movement to block the legislation. I'm just really shocked at how far this bill has come. Like it. 
for where we are in the world, not just in this country, where we are in the world for people who are openly gay, trans, etc. Everyone in the LGBTQ plus community, how can you now have a, a bill that's the don't say gay? I'm not understanding. Well, girl, um, not only has this bill made it super, super far, it just got signed into the state legislature. Mm. Yep. I, I have no words, but we will keep you all updated on this and we're going to move on. So Mackenzie Scott, obviously nobody knows her damn name, but let's put it into context. Jeff Bezos, ex-wife, gave hold your hold your edges, Sally. All right. I'm holding. Um, they're, they're holding on. My hands are held. Jeff Bezos's ex-wife donated $436 million to Habitat for Humanity. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, could you just give me one? First of all, you have that much money that you're donating $436 million. I mean, it's, yes, it's for great, great cause. But share the wealth to people you don't know, like me and Sally. Well, you know she got not M's, but plenty of B's off of that divorce settlement from Jeff. And she's just been giving it away all willy nilly. I know, but damn it. So Habitat for Humanity Philadelphia CEO Corinne O'Connell recalled feeling suspicious of an email she received back in February from an interested philanthropist. And she first obviously thought it was a hoax. And then she realized who it was from. Girl, she thought it was Anna Delvey up in these streets trying to scam another 460 M's out of somebody. I mean, but think about that. You get in an email and you see... Like they're used to getting millions of dollars in donation, but nothing like this, I'm sure. That's crazy. I wonder how much, how many homes $436 million donation will get them to be able to build. A lot, but you know what? It would have gone a lot further had she given me one and you one. You know what? You're right. I'm just saying that we could build our own homes. Just give me one. Give me exactly. one. Exactly. You know what? You're right. So listen, Mackenzie, sister girl, come on. I, I know your name now. Yep. Support a small business, female-led, POC-led, Caribbean-led, all the leds. Support it. Yes. And now, mm, what did Anthony Anderson do to end up in this? Girl, I'm still trying to figure out how somebody gets filed for divorce on twice by the same person. So his estranged wife, Alvina Stewart, and his former high school sweetheart has filed divorce from Anthony Anderson for the second time in seven years. What? What is going on in that marriage? I don't know, but he has really come up in the past, uh, let's say 10 to 15, like before Blackish and definitely during Blackish. He's all over the place. ABC loves him. He has multiple shows, him, him and his mama. I would love to know what Anthony Emerson's mama has to say about the wife. Just saying. Ooh, and Anthony Anderson got a real Black mama. So you yeah, she don't have a lot that. to say. She does not hold back. But the two have been married for 22 years. They have two adult children in their 20s. And they say that, you know, they want a divorce because of irreconcilable differences. Tell us what really happened. You know, irreconcilable differences is what people say when somebody cheated. I don't know. I first Mm. of all, I'm acting like I know Anthony Anderson acting like I'm he is, you know, himself on blackish. So I need to stop that because I don't know who he is as a person, but I feel like I know who he is from like just seeing him in interviews and all the work that he's done. But, you know, anybody can cheat. You're right. You're right. We're not saying that the cheating doesn't happen. But, yeah. 
What's funny is that I'm so used to seeing him as Dre on Blackish that now when I see him in anything else, it just doesn't hit for me. Exactly. Like he's back on Law. So they brought back the original Law and Order on NBC and he reprised his role as one of the detectives on Law and Order. And I'm just not really seeing it anymore. I'm waiting for him to bust out in his crazy pattern sweaters with his even crazier pattern pants, his fresh kicks that don't nobody have. I agree. I still need to catch up on that. But, you know, I do hope they split things amicably and just part ways. 22 years is is a really long time, especially for high school sweethearts. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because the national divorce rate is at 50 percent. But high school sweethearts, girl, that's a real big hit or miss. Yeah. So they have two kids. They've had over two decades together. I think you know what you want to say bye give her what she wants okay don't fight her on this yeah please don't be a dr dre now let's talk about this idiot ass philadelphia woman girl oh child a woman in philadelphia put out a tweet giving herself props for being the best drunk driver ever just before she killed three people in a dui related crash jesus fix it yeah, I, I just don't understand people, but this is beyond dumb, stupid, irresponsible. Uh, but 21-year-old Jayana Tene Webb was driving when she caused the collision. But in a series of tweets, she bragged about everything she'd done that night, including being pulled over for speeding before the incident, um, prior to hitting pedestrians, and how it was the best drunk night ever. Like, come on now. You know, what's even crazier is that the police officer who pulled her over for speeding got uh, let her go because he got called away to that same accident. Hot mess. So I'm just like, I cannot. People do better because this ain't it. And now let's get into one of our favorite segments, B.A.N. of the week, because bitch assness knows no bounds. In earlier episodes, we briefly discussed some messy mess mess that's been going on between Yolanda Hadid and her maybe never was probably a never going to be son-in-law Zane. So it was reported by a few sources like show news today that Yolanda Hadid may have lied about Zayn Malik striking her to get him deported and away from her daughter, Gigi. Can you believe that? Oh, hell no. That is really super trash. And I'm hoping that this is not at all true, especially as people who are immigrants or from immigrant parents themselves. You know, we don't take this shit lightly. And Yolanda Hadid is an immigrant herself. That's why this also makes no sense. It makes no sense. And that's why I'm like, come on now. I don't believe that. But there are many reports that say she's always hated Zane for her daughter. But they have a kid together. So you need to back up, Granny. Back in September 2021, court papers were filed stating that Zayn Malik had cursed, threatened, and shoved Yolanda Hadid while visiting his child. Gigi Hadid wasn't present at the time, so we only have the documents to go by as to whether or not this incident took place for real or for fake. But again, if these rumors and allegations are true, then ooh, baby. The ghetto. The ghetto for real. So I, I'm hoping because I don't want to see Yolanda Hadid like that. One of my favorite former Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You are too amazing to do any of this. And all the people involved are very famous. All of them. Right. Like I would hate for this to be true. But tell me this also wouldn't make for some excellent tea to spill. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope that it's not true. 
well, moving on away from the mess and into some success, it's time for Baby, We Winning. So let's clap it all the way up for Judge Katani Brown Jackson, who was expected to be confirmed as the first black woman Supreme Court justice just in a few days after senators voted to advance her nomination. Yes. Clap, snaps, roses, a whole homecoming blackity black marching band for you, girl, because you deserve it. And especially a big ass middle finger fuck you to Ted Cruz for all of the dumb shit he was saying about how we shouldn't have a black woman on the Supreme Court because it would alienate all of these cisgender white men who don't do shit for this country anyway. Yeah. So trash to him and claps for her. Okay. And now Essence's 15th annual Black Woman in Hollywood Awards celebrated many stars this year in best films and television shows. Tell us who some of the notable stars were. Our girl Megan Good for her role in Harlem, Lena Waithe with 20s, and some of the honorees also included Quinta Bronson from our new favorite show, Abbott Elementary. And of course, Nia Long for basically all the things she did in the past three decades. Claps to all these amazing black women in Hollywood. And thank you, Essence, for giving them their own show, their own awards and their own flowers. I love it. We love to see it. And speaking of we love to see it, J-Lo has recently received an Icon Award at the iHeartRadio Awards where her boo, Ben Affleck, her and his kids also watched and supported. I saw the video of her performance and the way he was looking at her. Their cute little blended family was all there clapping, snapping for the mama step mama. It was beautiful, girl. It was beautiful. It was real cute. And you know what? I hate that people be sleeping on J-Lo. I was like, don't try to act like she did not entertain us for the past three decades, both in her personal life and in the entertainment world. I'm talking movies. I'm talking videos. I'm talking singing. And I'm talking her whole dating life. She gave us everything. All the things. Mama has had rings on rings and she never misses a beat. Yeah, her fashion stay on point. Speaking of providing us entertainment for decades, unfortunately, the time has come for us to say goodbye to one of our most favorite daytime talk show hosts. Tree, guess who is giving us the bye, Felicia? Who? Girl, Maury Povich is hanging up his lie detector test. No, no, he's not. No, he's mm-hmm. not. Yep, he can't do it. There's a lot of people out there who need to know who their baby daddy is. <laughs> Who needs to know if the ears look like that man's ears or that man's ears or if this man is cheating on them or not. Like he has given us way too much entertainment. He can't leave now, but he has been doing his show for 31 years. And this 2021 2022 season will be the last. So let's give Maury Povich a round of applause for all these years entertaining us and all the kids who now know which man is a daddy. And for the last and final time, let's hit them with that. In the case of 10-month-old royalty, Daryl, you are not. (laughs) Now Lizzo has announced an all-inclusive shapewear line, Yiddy, allowing women to feel unapologetically good. Go ahead, Lizzo. Yes, for the body inclusivity, y'all. Go ahead. You know what's funny is that I never think about these things until... 
Like obviously someone has a need for it and it's not out there. So I'm glad that she's making all inclusive shapewear in the different sizes for everybody. Yeah, I might hit up this line pretty soon so I can put it underneath um, a dress I got to wear in a couple months to make sure that I hit it popping with the waist and give him the hips, but also don't compromise on the girls up top. Don't compromise the girls up top and make sure you show all the booty. That's right. So now guess who got an apology? This deserves a real clappity clap, clap it up. Ooh, if we're talking about a black woman, I'm going to need to sit down and make a long ass list because there's a lot of apologies that need to go around. Lee Daniels has finally apologized to Monique live on stage in Staten Island. And guess what? I think 50 Cent has something to do with it. He helped squash the beef, girl. Girl, you lied. This is an April Fool's joke. No, it's really not. Like, I guess there is some good in 50. I'm trying to wrap my head around where we live in a society where A, 50 Cent is out here doing good in the world. B, Lee Daniels apologizes to Monique. And C, that all of this took place in Staten Island. Yeah, all of that doesn't make sense, but it actually happened. So I love that everything that happened with Monique was very public. I mean, I hate that it happened, but it all happened publicly. So I am happy that Lee Daniels gave a public apology. Okay, good for you. Good for you, girl. I guess that there is hope just yet for the world. Yeah, just a little bit. Now, of course, you know, we had to say just one more time. We want to clap it up and dap it up and give all them roses and flowers to everyone at the Oscars. It was produced by Will Packer. There were three female hosts, two of them being black. They were doing a killer job hosting. It was very diverse with the performances and even the winners. And a special shout out to all the first time winners, because, again, they were overlooked for some nonsense. Let's get into these good watches, y'all. Check this out. So I was at first really excited about this new show that came on on Netflix called Pieces of Her. In the trailer, I saw Amari Hardrick's fine ass all over my TV. However, the show is confusing, girl. It is confusing. So uh, apparently it's about a woman who's trying to piece together her mother's dark past after a violent attack in their small town. And this brought a lot of hidden secrets and deadly secrets to light. Now, I only made it about 20, 30 minutes in until I saw Mari Hardrick and I was like, mm, it's a no for me. Yeah, I don't think that his role is as prominent as the trailer would lead me to believe. Maybe I'll watch it like next year if I need to binge. It's OK to just say no, girl, just say no. But we are so excited for season two of Flight Attendant that is on HBO Max. And so, girl, I just caught the trailer. It reveals a new double life for Cassie. And it's time for Cassie to face her own worst enemies. Did you see the trailer? Mm-hmm, I sure did. And I called bullshit in the first five minutes when homegirl was talking about how she's sober now. Also, I saw like a second and third version of her. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Is she drunk or like what? She might be. Well, CIA. I think that there's some aspect of sobriety where people who are trying to sober up can have hallucinations or some shit. But maybe that's the plot that they're trying to work into the storyline. But there's a whole lot of mess that seems to be going on and I am here for it. So if season two is as messy or messier than season one, 
You know I'm watching. It comes back April 21st, and we are looking forward to see it. Now, a new show on Bravo called Love Match Atlanta. Okay, Bravo. Tell us what it's about. I'm really excited for this because when I read through the description, it's kind of like celebrity death match, but between matchmakers. So here we are going to see five of Atlanta's most sought after matchmakers as they try to outwork each other to pair up singles in search of a relationship. This sounds like something they need on Married at First Sight, honestly. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not going to be mad about yet another show where people find in love. But this one actually involves real matchmakers who like they will sit with you one on one and get you what you need. Not like Married at First Sight and give you the opposite for some messy TV. Right. Clearly, Married at First Sight is doing it for clicks and tricks, whereas the matchmakers here, they have a reputation to uphold in terms of their matchmaking. So they need to make sure the relationship's sick, girl. And speaking of Bravo, we all remember Monique Samuels and how she was dropped from Real Housewives of Potomac after that little scuff scuffle with Candace. Mm. So now Monique is getting her own show on the channel own. It is called Love and Marriage DC. See, that's why I love. I love when Monique be winning. You better do it, girl. That's right. She and her husband are returning to reality TV as one of the stars in this new show. And we're going to be watching her husband, Chris, looking to get his relationship back on track while still searching for his passion now that he's no longer in the NFL. I'm happy to see this. Also, Monique has many businesses. I think they have about three kids now. So I'll be happy to see, you know, the kids growing up. They still showing real strong black love and marriages. That's what we want to see. Not Bravo punishing her for slapping a hoe who's talking too much. Mm. And she ain't even slapping. She just tugged on her hair a little bit. She pulled that bitch's weave out. She did. Yeah, she did. It was just a little tug tug. She needed it. It's time for Sally to sound the off. What are we talking about? Lynching in 2022? Mm, Give us more info. So as if the United States of America was not as ass backwards as it already is. Uncle Joe Biden was out here tooting the horns and giving himself attaboys for finally in this year of our Lord Savior 2022, passing into law a bill that makes lynching a hate crime. This bill is called the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. It is meant to hold people convicted of hate crimes accountable. However, certain legal experts warn that the law may not be as effective as intended. Well, yeah, no shit, because if you waited over 100 years to make something that has been used specifically as a way to target black people and people of color, when we think about lynching, we only think about one victimized group, and that is black people. We saw this all through slavery. We saw this through the Jim Crow South. We saw this through the civil rights movement. And unfortunately, in 2022, we are still seeing stories of people being lynched in our own backyards. The law targets defendants who conspire to commit a hate crime that results in serious bodily injury or death. Okay, yeah, great. But honestly, uh, this is a little too not as much and a little too late. What we need to be doing is focusing on all of these other efforts that still make it a-okay for certain groups to act in one way while vilifying other marginalized victims. I'd say that this is progress, but honestly, the fact that we even needed a bill to specifically outline how lynching is, in fact, a hate crime shows just the complete opposite of progress. 
but actually how little we have done to advance in our society. I'm hoping for the best, but again, we live in reality. Okay, and we are back with Tamar. So great to have you join us today. A young, successful POC journalist from Brooklyn because we are all about that representation. And one more time for the audience. First and foremost, where can the people find you, girl? Yeah, people can find me on Instagram at Tamar Sarai and on Twitter at by Tamar Sarai, B-Y. So you've been involved in this work as a feature journalist for quite some time, and you've covered a wide variety of topics. What is a topic you find yourself to be most passionate about? Yeah, I, I love pretty much any stories that are centered around Black women and girls. Like that's really where my passion lies at PRISM, where I'm at now, the newsroom that I work for now. I mainly cover the criminal justice system. So I love stories that focus on like how the system impacts Black women and girls particularly, and not just like, you know, what it means to be a mother or a daughter or like a wife of someone who's inside, but like, what does it mean to be criminalized yourself and being policed yourself as women and girls? So I get really passionate about those stories outside of just the stories that I do for PRISM. I'm really interested on pop culture and particularly the intersections of race and pop culture. I love thinking about like how Black women are portrayed in the media what those portrayals say about like society as well as how they impact our perceptions of ourselves. So when I do get the time to do like other stories, I really like writing about pop culture. That's amazing. From women and girls to pop culture, girl, you are doing the whole damn thing. So we've heard other journalists mention a dream project and story. What is your dream story that you're chasing now? Because you're already doing so much great work. Yeah, I don't know if I would say I'm like actively chasing this story just yet. It's something that's like still mostly in my mind. And I've done like kind of basic research about it. But I'm really into U.S. history and like Black American history. And I've done a lot of family tree building, like learning about my own genealogy. So I would love to like tie those two together, write about my family and how different ancestors of mine, whether it's recent ancestors or distant ancestors, how their lives intersected with major moments in American history. And that could be like maybe a long essay, maybe it'll be a book one day, I'm not sure, but I'm really like fascinated by how our own personal stories are reflections of historical moments. And as like a Black American, I think that's also particularly important to do. So yeah, I would love to work on that one day. Your personal story that's going to take, you know, tell you all about your history. I would love to see that book when it comes out. We love when family stops by because everything just stays clicking on all cylinders. As we (laughs) mentioned, we would love to read that story of the Davis family line and all the (laughs) women that come down because y'all really be doing the things, girl. We know that you've done some really great work with Color for Change in the past. Can you expand on the work that you've done there and how it's impacted your career? And, you know, you mentioned all these feature stories that you've worked on, on the impact of the criminal justice system on women of color. And, you know, you are speaking my love language there. Mm -hmm. So if you could let our audience know what Color for Change meant for you. Yeah. um, So Color for Change, I worked there uh, for two years right up until I finished grad school in 2020. For folks who aren't familiar with the organization, they run digital campaigns on uh, a lot of different issues impacting Black people. But I worked in their criminal justice department. 
and I was a researcher for their campaigns team. So I was like learning about companies, politicians, people who were impacting the system and would like send that information to campaigners and organizers so they could build strategic campaigns. It was like incredibly like important part of my career, I would say. Like a lot of the work I did was about bail reform or like ending money bail. So like that arm of my work, I was researching bail bond companies and like seeing how they were funneling money into either politicians or lobbies for pro bail legislation. And that gave me a really good sense of like what the money bail system is, how it works, how it impacts people. And then towards like the end of my time there, I did a lot of work researching corporate profiteers. So like companies that provide services to prisons and jails, whether that's phone services or email services or food services, and how they essentially like are capitalizing off of people's vulnerability sharing that information in a digestible way so that our members or just members of the general public could have a better understanding of who are the kind of the puppet masters behind the carceral system. And I think it was just really important because as a journalist, like you really should have a strong working knowledge of whatever you're reporting on. And so by the time I kind of transitioned into writing full-time about the criminal justice system, I had a really, really like strong foundational knowledge of how the system works, who it impacts. And it allowed me to think of stories that I wouldn't have otherwise known about. So yeah, Color Change was really, really pivotal for me. And I'm really appreciative of the time I had there. I'm having a total fangirl moment right now because this is just like hitting all the different marks, all the things that we talk about, not just on the show, but literally everything that I discuss in class. So it's so amazing just having that type of representation in an organization like that. And there's so many other like amazing grassroots groups who too, who are really like leading the charge in those issues. So, yeah. So let's big it up a color, a change. (laughs) But identity plays such an important role in everything that we do, especially as the amazing black women we are. Can you share with us how that has contributed to your journey into journalism? Yeah, I think what we were saying at the, the very top, just about how black women and girls feature into my story so often. I think that that is completely because I am a Black woman and because I've always been surrounded by Black women, like my mom and my older sisters and you know the majority of my close friends are Black women. So I think we've never been peripheral in my mind. So it's really shaped what I want my career to look like and what the stories that I tell to center on. So yeah, my identity has been like the biggest part of what has shaped my career in journalism thus far. And I would also just say that like Black women just take care of each other in a really unique way. And so a lot of the writers that I admire, the people that I want to kind of model my career after are Black women as well. So in that sense, like my identity has had a really big impact on how I've been able to navigate this field. And keeping with this same line of identity and centering Black stories, centering Black voices, putting out there the stories of Black women that really don't get told very often. Where do you stand on the whole missing white woman syndrome and just the lack of reporting on all of these issues that plague Black women, but don't ever make it to the main stage? Yeah, I think, you know, it's incredibly difficult to reckon with, you know, one of the more recent stories that I did was about the missing white woman syndrome, not just how unfortunate it is in terms of just like representation, but like those things have real tangible impact when people aren't covered in the news, people aren't funneling resources into helping them. So 
a lot of the reason why cases around missing Black women and girls or murdered Black women and girls go unsolved is in large part because they're not being paid attention to by the mainstream media. So it's definitely something that I want to continue covering myself and I hope that other people take up. And it's a big reason why we also just need to like support more Black women journalists and to make sure that they feel safe and comfortable enough to stay in the field and tell the stories that really need to be told. So what kind of got you interested in writing and telling stories of others in in journalism in general? Well, when I was in college, I was toying between whether I wanted to go to graduate school, like whether I wanted to become a professor or be in academia. And in that process, I think I realized like I wanted to write, but I wanted to write for a public audience. And that's when I started thinking about like maybe journalism would be a good way for me to tackle the issues that I'm interested in, the issues I probably would have studied had I gone to graduate school, but have an audience that's a little bit broader. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I, how the idea came into my mind. And then when I graduated, I just tried to freelance a lot and do writing for local newspapers. In that process, I was like, oh, no, I actually really do like this. And I knew from then on that I would let me pursue that. First of all, I love backstories, but let's get to your dream pop culture person that you would love to do a story on or interview or write about. I would really like to write something about Janet Jackson. I'm like really interested in the Jackson family in general. There's so much you can say about class, about race, colorism, gender, and it lives in Janet Jackson's body. I think there's... There's a lot of content about her, but I feel like it never really gets into maybe the more difficult or controversial questions. So I would love to do a deep dive into her. So we're putting this out there into the world. We're mad. <laughs> yeah, we out here with it, baby. Because you know we Thank love you. all things Janet up in here, and we yeah. love all things you. So that would just be <laughs> heaven. And I'm sorry, Tamar, you caught the doc? How was it? The documentary? Yeah, I I saw the whole thing. Um, Loved the footage. I felt like the last episode or like everything after the Super Bowl, like sped up really quickly. And there were a lot of missed questions, but I liked it because I love Janet, but I I was wanting for a little bit more. Mm, Okay, you wanted more. So you want to be the person to find that everything else that's missing, not, you know, the negative or the bad, but it's just like the real essence that we know. Exactly. Jenna Jackson or Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. (laughs) The details. We want the details. Yeah. How society in general kind of created the stage for her to become who and what she is and all the things that we also like project upon her. Yeah, and just her, her decades of being an entertainer, you know? Yeah. Starting from She's not amazing. singing, but acting for yeah. decades. Like people sleep on Jen and they shouldn't. But yeah, her um, body of work is incredible. But we're just going to keep manifesting that for you. I see that mm-hmm. for you in your future. I actually did want to get your take. So because you work in features, did you watch the Anna Delvey drama? Oh, doc- I haven't yet. I haven't seen it yet, though. Because the inventing kinda- Anna. Yeah, yeah. Reinventing Mm -hmm. Anna. I wanted to get your take on the involvement of the journalist in Anna Delvey, Anna Sororkin's life, how deep she got into really understanding. So that idea of you're researching a subject for so long, where do you draw the line? Where's the boundary? What's the gray area? Because we know it's never really black and white. So how do you keep yourself from becoming biased or being so personally invested in your subject that it comes across in your journalistic art? 
But yeah. I will say that she did not write the story incorrectly. She had more feelings for her. Yes, that's yeah, that's what it was. It was it was yeah. factually correct. It was just, yes. you know, a lot of investment from her yeah. personal time. Because at the end of the day, Anna was in jail because she did wrong. She did all those things wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's like, she did the things, girl. She did the frauds yeah. and the scams. But it's like the journalist found all the things, wrote the story. But somehow she wanted to find something that was like, but the money came from somewhere. She's innocent. Like, it's some way she wanted her to, like, beat mm-hmm. charges. What would yeah. you do in that case where you get so close to, you know, the subject that you're writing about that even though they're wrong or re- whether they're wrong or right, you just get so close and you blur the lines. Yeah, that was a good question. And honestly, it's something that I think about a lot. I think in order to do that type of story ethically, I think you just have to be transparent with your reader about how invested you've become. Make sure that you are reporting the facts as they're happening. But if you are becoming more deeply invested in the subject or the issue that you kind of make clear like where you're coming from, at the end of the day, even stories that are quote unquote objective, we all have our own biases. So nothing that you read in anything is going to be completely not filtered through someone's personal biases. But it's like the transparency piece that's really important journalism is not neutral like we're all people at the end of the day i think that like if you're doing the right thing and taking care of people then that should come before whether you're trying to purposely keep a distance from yourself and your source i want to bring back up the part where you said get the facts look you gotta (laughs) get them receipts girl that's what we are about on this show we're not about it the paperwork okay I actually, if you don't mind, have you heard about the the news article that came out in the Daily Mail about BLM and this property that they purchased in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. I have. I just read it. So that whole article, like, <laughs> yeah, the first part that I saw, obviously the first headline, and I sent it to Sally. I was like, girl, did you see this? Now they done stole all the money and took it up. And then there was a backup story. Yeah, because it's not uncommon for 501c3s or charitable organizations mm-hmm. or youth leadership, any type of grassroots org to purchase property that is meant to be used by the organization mm-hmm. for the constituents of the organization. So when I was reading the article, I go, there's got to be more to this. Yeah, I think that they were not intentionally doing anything malicious. I think there's just a general transparency problem with the BLM network or the global network. Any type of story like that where you're learning about like properties or like spending a lot of money, it makes those types of stories more concerning because they haven't been super forthright about like how they have been spending the donations that have been coming in. People kind of like donating to like nonprofits when the actual work is like happening on the grassroots level. But don't you think that the first headline that came out was to have a negative look on BLM, which already has negative look to a lot of people. That's the way I saw it. And I'm a, obviously a promoter of, of Black Lives Matter. But to see that, I was like, oh, hell no. Now we, we can't have nothing nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. definitely clickbait. Yeah. The previous uh, headlines that first reported it, they mm-hmm. all came out negatively. And I think it was to tarnish the BLM name that we've tried so hard in the past two years to, you know what I mean? Like build it up. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know what you were doing. And it's unfortunate too. That's like I mean, black lives matter is like so many things, right? It's like this foundation is getting a lot of money that is like its own entity. And it's also like a slogan and it's a hashtag and it's an ideology. And like, it's all the, it's all these things are 
being used in different ways. But like you said, when you kind of just say BLM is doing X, Y, Z, then it does cast a shade over all these other ways that that phrase has been used and what it means to different people. Always check the people with the shade. So any other future plans you want to let the Be Your Own People audience know about? Because you're doing a lot of things, girl, and we love it. Yeah, I would say right now, uh, people should just, you know, follow PRISM, PRISM Reports, at PRISM Reports on all platforms, and we're prismreports.org. And that's where you'll find all of my pieces and a lot of other really great reporting for our staff and from our team of like contributing writers. So and I think any other upcoming projects will just be on my social. Okay, so you're going to give us like at least two to five years for this Janet piece, right? <laughs> exactly. Janet Jackson piece by Tamar. Janet piece, the family piece. There's- and you heard it here first <laughs> on yes. Be Your Own People, because it be your own people in what tree? In the best way. So we're going to be looking out for the family piece, the Janet piece, and we're going to be checking you out on all the socials. Thank you so much for joining us, Tamar Sarai. This was a true Brooklyn night, Sally. It was Brooklyn in the house. It was a real Brooklyn night. Thank you so much. I had a good time. And now we're about to get into Celeb News Reality Roundup. So we have some good news finally to report on the Kardashian front. Don't worry, we're no longer talking about the divorce scandals. But as one merge ends, another one begins. Yes, TMZ was the first to report, of course, that Courtney and Travis Barker have gotten married in Vegas. Claps for her. Three whole children with Lord Disick, and he never not once gave up a ring to propose. So I'm very happy. They seem really good together. So I'm happy for her. A big congrats to the new Mr. and Mrs. Barker out in these streets. Yeah, but somebody go check on Scott. I mean, should they? Don't nobody care. Well, I care. I just want, you know, TMZ to catch the pictures or, you know, see who he's going to attack next. You know, he likes to go after her exes and her currents and send pictures and, and messages. Oh, yes. The mess mess. You're right. Someone do. Please go check on Scott Disick and make sure that you have hit that Instagram live button before you do. There you go. And now Kylie Jenner apparently changed her baby boy's name. It is no longer Wolf. What? And they won't tell us what it is now. Because it's something even more ridiculous than Wolf. But I'm just like, why change the baby's name from Wolf? I think it's only because a few other celebrities also have named their kid Wolf. Like Eve, Wolf was one of his names. And like Wolf was one of his names. Yes, one of his names. (laughs) Wolf was already a name of quite a few celebrities. Like why? I'm not understanding. Girl, come on. You know that she lives to be fake unique. So I'm sure this really hit her in her Instagram feels that her baby was not the only one walking around being a Balto. But this just takes, <laughs> not a Balto, this, it takes so much work to change a child's name, Ch- change your name, period. And the baby was only just born about a month or two ago. Yep, she gonna have to hit that social security line. She gonna have to hit that health insurance line. She gonna have to hit that bank line that I'm sure she already opened up for the child. All the lines, girl, change the birth certificate, everything. Well, I hope whoever she paid to be on those lines were paid very well. Now let's move on to Tamara Judge. She's claiming that Denise Richards tried to hook up with her at BravoCon 2019. 
okay, I'm going to need these bitches to stop playing Denise like she can't get her own plane nowhere else. Also, Denise Richards is the only one of all the people in this circle, in this little triangle that they keep trying to put on her, who's actually famous. And if she wanted to have a third or a throuple or add whoever in with her and her husband, she would and she would do it very discreetly. I highly doubt she was coming after these loud hoes. Right. Like she knows that these bitches gonna hold water to save their life. So I'm still finding it extremely hard to believe that she tried to hook up with Brandy Glanville, of all people, who cannot keep her mouth shut to save her damn life. And now Tamara Judge, who basically walks around with her own megaphone. And do they have a, a podcast together? Oh, yeah. The Glanville and the judge. Yep. They come. They get on the podcast and talk their ridiculous nonsense. Well, then this is another reason why we should not believe this claim. Also, if it happened in 2019, girl, we years later, leave it back there. Exactly. Why are you bringing that shit up in 2022 like a plunger? Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, Erica and Safari might be officially divorced. Lies. Show me Lies? the paperwork. Yeah, I feel like, again, by the time the next season of Love and Hip Hop shows up, they will be back and forth doing something because I don't think they're ever going to be real done done with each other. This is a storyline. Sure is. Now let's move on to some Bravo mess. Below deck sailing, y'all. You caught up on it? I'm caught up enough to where now I know what happens if a sailboat ever lands stuck in the sand. Yeah, it looked really scary, especially the fact that they had guests on board, like sleeping. Mm-hmm. It was a huge problem. And I realized that in the most recent episode when they showed us, you know, what happened afterwards, it just kind of like cut to the next day. You know what I mean? Because it must have been a whole real ordeal. And they never showed the guests again. They never showed them get off the boat. So I was like, wow, like we don't really obviously we're watching a reality show, but there's only so much that they can show us when something really goes wrong. So I'm not mad that Captain Glenn had to let homeboy go. The boy that was on Night Watch. I mean, he was in the captain's quarters where he should have been watching the winds making out with old big tits. Yeah, he was making out with big titties them. And then he ran to go hold down some of the furniture instead of getting all the people who. Right. Yeah, I'm that like, was not smart. Mm-mm. I was so confused. I go now. I ain't no deckhand. But I'm pretty sure that if you are worried about the boat possibly dragging onto shore, that the furniture would be the least of the captain's worries. So I was real confused. But again, I'm glad that he's gone. So we have to see who the new person is going to be. And I will once again say I actually like Gary's attitude this season. He's much better. Everyone is getting along except for Big Tits trying to like, you know, have her TV camera time. But again, how is Chef Marcos not hooking up with anybody? I'm telling you, he must have written something into his contract where he said, I don't want none of them hoes on me. I'm here to promote my business and my impeccable cuisine. Yes, but next episode coming up, Chef Marcos gets in a screaming match with a chick with curly hair. Not Gabrielle. Yeah, he gets into an argument with Gabrielle, but not for nothing. I think... It was Marcos's fault, but we shall see how that pans out now below deck down under the Australians are bringing it, honey. I must say they bringing it. Well, that captain is point point and he's actually like chill with his crew. But when it's time to work, he's like, why are you chilling when like you could wipe this down? You could prepare for the guests. You could say all them things. 
And basically the Stu, the third Stu, who was, you know, a model and basically never was on a boat before. She's just there, you know, to look hot. She really knows nothing. But I love second Stu to me. She can do it all. And I love her. She does not back down for anyone. She was like, you are not going to talk to me like this. I will go back to my country before I let anybody disrespect me. And I'm like, you better save that girl. Ooh, she said, I'm going to go back to where I came from before you ever fix your mouth to tell me to do the same. Oh, yeah. But it was also just like he was being disrespectful. And she was saying, hey, one of your deck crew was in the pool with the guests. Like, we're not supposed to be doing that. You know what I mean? Okay, we that's the line you don't cross. Come on. Where's the professionalism? Exactly. So to me, love her. She's doing her thing. Aisha as a chief suit is definitely doing her thing. But this chef, he is he's a mess. He's terrible. He basically doesn't want to ever tell guests what they're having prior to because he doesn't want them to have anything wrong with it or make any changes no not with not with all the money i'm paying exactly and then he looks at the preference sheet and decides who he thinks these people are and he makes food based off of what he thinks their taste levels are he made like burgers and tacos like the first people who came on the boat the guests and then it was just like, what, you know, Asia, Chief Sue was like, this is not, you don't want to give them some options. She was like, nope, no options. And basically they, they were just okay with it. They were fine. But that's not how a yacht chef of a luxury, you know, yacht works. He's terrible. He's also chilled in the kitchen with his feet damn near on top of the damn thing. All hell, Marcos would never. He is all the way rude, disgusting. And it's like, I don't know how you can fix yourself to say that you are a yacht chef of a luxury yacht when you act the way you do. If you don't want to take orders from people like they're they can tell you what they want. If I'm paying thousands of dollars to be on this establishment, you better give me thousands of dollars level quality food. And so he made seafood when these new guests just came on. One of them was like, oh, no, I don't like it. It's, it has a smell. I don't want this. And so when Aisha tells him, he's like, what did this bitch say? And I was like, what? How dare okay, you? Okay, no, because seafood is not supposed to have a smell. And if it does, that probably means it's turned. I know, but everyone else's fish was fine and they enjoyed it. And she didn't. And if she didn't want that. Why are you calling her bitch in, you know, in the in the chef? Exactly. And you didn't even tell her that's what she was being served. Like people have their taste. And then he said, oh, see, I know this one is going to be the ratchet bitch to bring me problems. And I was like, please don't tell me she was black when he said that. She's not. She's not. Oh, okay. So I was like, I know Peacock is not out here playing these fucking games. No, it's still disrespectful. Like other than that, everybody's bringing, you know, the energy, the dancing, people trying to flirt here and there all the drama, the fine-ass captain. Like, it is good. I'm just so shocked at this chef. Like, I just feel him bringing down the money for everyone because he's pig-headed. And it's like, I think the captain hasn't seen it yet. So you mean to tell me that he's basically a combination of Chef Matt's unwillingness to work and take criti- take criticism and Chef Rachel's crazy ass yes but you know rachel as crazy as she was made amazing food but yeah right he's making like mediocre it's crazy and his reason is that his dad was a chef and his dad basically like had a heart attack and killed himself so like 
because he wor- his dad worked so hard and died, he doesn't want to work that hard. And I'm like, well, then go. Dad, he needs a different job. He needs to go talk to uh, old boy Steve over at Married at First Sight and figure out how he, too, cannot have a job and live a relaxing life. Exactly. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? This is the job that you chose. If you don't get the do fuck out of here, I'm trying to not work and relax. OK, then don't not work and relax, but do that yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, I don't get it. But now we're going to move on to Bel Air. We finally saw the whole first season. And Marlon Wayans is the daddy. <laughs> you, sir, are the father. Yeah, we did not need to get more Povich involved to find out who the daddy was. But wow, I just think the whole first season as a whole claps all around to Westbrook Productions and everybody involved because it was so good from the character development to all the stories, to all the real language they was using because they'd be using the F-bombs and the N-words. And I was like, well, you know what? That's real life. When you argue Girl, like- that oh. argument, I was like, he said, bitch ass N-word. I go, oh, oh, oh my, clutching my pearls. I know I was surprised because you never see the real deal on TV, but um, I love it all. And I'm so happy that Peacock decided to sign on for two seasons from the jump, you know, because right about now with the whole Will Smith, that thing that went down, I would be very worried if it would get another season simply because it's all surrounded. Like he has a huge part in it. I still stand by what I said in that, Will Smith was probably still reeling off of this last episode because just like Roll Will on Bel Air told his daddy, keep my mama's name out your motherfucking mouth. He must have been reeling off of that scene when he slapped. Oh, boy. I, I highly, highly, highly doubt it. They I'm t- just saying it's a big coincidence, girl. The speech they- was matching up. You know, they taped this about a year and a half ago, so Mm. I highly doubt it. But that is a nice kind of connection there. But all around, yeah, Bel Air is amazing. I'm mad we did not get to see fine ass Jeffrey in the last episode. He better come back in season two. He He better. better come back in season two. We get to see Hillary and Jazz. They done hooked up. I but love I, me some jazz. He foing foing. I can get on that chocolate drive. I feel like, oh, maybe jazz might hit Karuchi because uh, their hand holding was a little too long and, and Hillary peeped that. So mm-hmm. I'm Hillary ain't no dummy. Hillary in season two might um, catch wind of maybe jazz hooking up with Karuchi. Oh. And I liked all I love. I just love everything about it. Like, it's just so great. This was the show I did not want to happen. And I was like, wait a minute now. This is amazing. My only complaint now after complaining that we didn't need the show is why the fuck we only get 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's annoying. But now we're going to move on to this ridiculous trash ass show called Put a Ring on It. It's now in season three and it's on own. These three couples, all three couples have been dating for three years, but each of them, the men have major issues. And I'm just like, why do you have these people come on the show where you clearly see one person is not right for them, but you want to try to like help them stay together and go to marriage? I am confusion because like I've said already before about all of these other ridiculous ass shows with the same premise. If you need to coerce someone into asking you to marry them, forcing them into a marriage, the time has come for you to move the fuck on well, yeah, but it's also different because with this show, there's a spin on it where you come there to test your relationship and see how strong it is. And by doing so, you know, each party dates a different person. You know this when you sign up for the show. 
Do you know what I mean? It's not a surprise. So now when the new person comes to the home to date, you know, take out the man or take out the woman, why is their significant other rude? That is what you signed up for. So that's the thing that I hate. And secondly, there's one woman, I forget her name, but her guy looks like Rick Ross. So I'm going to just call him Rick Ross. And he apparently they were engaged before. Okay, that's great. And they broke off the engagement. But he's cheated multiple times. She's also never met anyone in his family. She met his mom once on accident because the mama apparently is really good friends with his child's, with the child's mother. But I'm just like, if you know all these things and he continuously cheats, why are you there to fix this? Why are you getting mad at someone who comes to take him out when you sign up for the show where you both date other people? Wait, and how long did you say they were together again? Three years. All the couples on the show have been together for three years. And she's never met any of his family and only accidentally met the mama? Yep. Girl, that's like 89 shades of get the fuck out of there. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what if you have all the proof? Why are you on this show? And then and he's cheated on you. Like, what? Why are we here? Why is she wasting my time? That's what I'm saying. I was like, that's the only couple where I'm like, this makes no sense. And then the other couple, this woman is like a local radio personality. So she's known she has money. And the guy who's with her is just not on her level at all. Like, clearly he's using you to take care of him. But like, he also just doesn't seem like he has any ambition at all. But there's this one scene where he like takes her phone. I guess he was hidden for a few hours. He sent like a bunch of her banking information to himself from her phone to his phone. And so they're having an argument in the car because she realized he did that. She's like, delete it, delete it. He never actually deletes it. But I'm like, girl, you know, he is not going to let you go because he's never going to find another sugar mama. I mean, that's just illegal. Like I could put you up on charges for you fraudulently logging into my financial accounts and then you sending yourself my banking information. Yep. Why are we here? No, that happened when they were on the show, but when they actually go on dates with different people, he's not interested in going on dates. Like he has his, you know, I hate to say cash cow, but he has his sugar mom. He has his, he wants to make sure that they lock it down where she obviously wants him to do more do better. But I'm like, girl, you met him the way he was. He ain't never going to change. And now y'all been together for this long. He ain't leaving. The late great Maya Angelou once said, when people show you who they are, believe them believe them but yeah i'm just that mess that show is messy and i'm so confused i'm sorry i'm still trying to put two and two together and that math ain't mathing the only other couple that i think could make it he just seems verbally abusive because the women went on their date first and when she came back from her date she played soccer with this guy which was like very nice sweet came home and he was like oh you're gonna come in here you you know what you should take a shower. You seem dirty. It wasn't because she was playing soccer. He's trying to make it seem like, oh, you're dirty because you went on a date with another man. And he also was making food and he was like, nope, now I'm not going to make food for you. Oh, this man didn't didn't take you out to eat. So he made a whole bunch of salmon and ate by himself. And she had to go eat left leftovers, warm up some leftovers. All right. So let me get this straight. Out of these four couples, we have. Oh, there's three couples. So, okay, so in these three couples, we have lying and cheating. Yes. We have financially inept and dependent. Yes. yes. And then we have 
verbally abusive and gaslighting. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. okay. And this was only after two episodes. I mean, you could see that there was a lot of issues from the first episode, but I'm like, why are these the people that you choose to come on the show? And they are like, you shouldn't be trying to help them stay together. They look like they just need different people. Like nobody you should needs to be, be with each other. Sending them to real life therapy. Yup. But talking I about- I mean, Ayala would have been better, but she off the show. Talking about real life therapy. Let's go on to Married at First Sight because they are a mess. Girl, girl, girl. It, this is beyond therapy. They, this needs- a crash cart. I'm really unhappy with all the matches, as I've already mentioned a billion times. But at this point, what is the point of showing any more episodes? Because Elijah Wan is disgustingly verbally abusive. I mean, Katina's crying like every episode because she wants it to work and she's trying and he he's disgusting. He is beyond disgusting. He is, as Pastor Cal said, a Neanderthal. And now it just keeps getting worse and worse with each episode. The things he says to her, how he makes her feel. And on the flip side, you have Lindsay and Mark. Lindsay, I don't know. They they both kind of like do things to each other, but they're not good for each other. And Lindsay's a lot. I don't think she realizes that her personality is a lot. A lot isn't even the correct words that I would use. I would say over the top, excessive. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, Excessively uh, over the top. That's what it is. Yeah. So they're, you know, just another hot mess. And then you have Jasmina and Michael, who Jasmina is just lying to this man. You know, you're not into him. It's just hard to watch when you know that it's fake. She's putting on a show because she wants to continue getting money. Yeah. I feel bad for Michael because he's, like he's genuinely trying. trying. Yeah. He's trying. He's genuinely trying. And every time they meet with the experts, he takes note of what they tell him. He readjusts. He tries to listen to her. But and it's just every time she opens his mouth and goes, Michael, I want to say, girl, you say his name like that one more time. Oh, I really wish that they would have given Michael and Katina. They would have paired them together. Oh, that would have been real cute. That would have been a nice match because they both try. They both like to listen. Michael definitely wouldn't have minded that the girl knows how to make cereal. Because he would have been like, okay, well, let's do some cooking together. You know what I mean? Like, let's figure it out. And then here go Noy and Steve. And I'm like, again, you have no real issues. Steve done told you he has money that he saved up, his plans or whatever. But at this point, it's like, it's torture to watch knowing that like this is only getting worse and worse. It's torture for me. It's um, it's like that trolley problem that they talk about in philosophy where you have a trolley and it can either kill five people or one people. Who's it going to kill? Girl, all these marriages need to be dead. The trolley needs to kill all the marriages because ain't nobody going nowhere. Yeah, but now another trash show about wannabe couples. Marriage boot camp is back. And we have K. Michelle and some man who's a dentist. <laughs> not some man. <laughs> yeah, we don't know his name. He's not anyone important, but he's a dentist. And, you know, that's some man. Some of dentist a, man. Yeah, of apparently the past five years. Somebody should know from high school. So, okay to that. I feel like Liver- that's a lie. Liverclaw A1. Ooh, they still messy. Rich Dollars and Mariah Lynn. No. I don't understand. No. 
And now the last couple, don't nobody know, but the woman was a rapper in Three Six Mafia. But again, no one cares about them. The other three, I'm just like, don't you have to be in real relationships to be on this show? Rich Dollars and Mariah Lynn, he doesn't even want to claim her in public. Like, that's her main concern. How you come on this show saying that this man has never wanted to claim you, but you've been with him for nine, ten years? Wait, pause. The show is called Marriage Boot Camp? Yeah. As in the criteria to be on the show is you need to be married. No. So there were a lot of people in the past couple of years. If you are in a you know relationship and you want to see if you could get engaged after the show or like, they do give you a ring wow. after the show so that you can say, hey, I want to continue to stay married to you. To you. I want to propose to you or whatever you're trying to work out in that relationship is what they're getting you to. But yeah, originally the show started out with only married couples, but they realized that, you know, people ain't married no more. Okay, so again, we're just getting more content of fakes and frauds. Got it. Basically, (laughs) because Lyrica A1, I mean, they just continue their same storyline from Love and Hip Hop. But as we know, Love and Hip Hop has not come back because of COVID since like 2020. So they just keep doing these reunion things, you know? Like family reunions, everybody get together from all the different seasons. Yeah, this is a no for me. Um, I'll I'll probably watch a couple episodes if I don't have anything else to do or if I like really feel like torturing my soul. But I'm a probably pass. Yeah, it's just it's a little ridiculous. And K. Michelle is like, I know exactly what I want. She's planned everything, like regardless if he's there or not. So it's kind of like. I mean, he's not an idiot. He's like, so what do you need me here for? It's just, it's given a lot of, are these real relationships? Or like, how much are they really paying you for this show? Because K. Michelle is the only, and Lyrica and Anderson are, Lyrica and A1 are the only like real, you know, famous people, I would say. I see, I see. Well, I will be seeing something else other than this trash. If you want to hit us up to say hey or let us know about any It Be Your Own People moments, send us an email at ibyoppodcast at gmail.com. Hey, y'all. Don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Podcast. And that's all we have for you today on It Be Your Own People. Stay woke, stay alert, and tune in next time.